You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. In a world where podcasts are the pinnacle of knowledge and entertainment, two educators fight a fierce battle with technology and the internet. Each week, they strive to find engaging and relevant topics for their listeners, while fully aware that failure is always an option. Sometimes they're informative. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're just plain weird. This is the EdTech Takeout. (laughs) I like it. Okay. That was good. All right. We're back for another episode of the EdTech Takeout. Back for another episode. Episode number, what, 17? 17, yeah. 17. Yes. We're getting up there. We are. Yep, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. It's right around the corner. Yeah, January will be, uh, you know, a big celebration episode. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, that should be fun, I think. Yeah. So, should we get started? Well, yeah, just before we do start, I mean, yeah. talking about the podcast, I was out at a school district that will name Anonymous at the moment. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and there was, uh, I was meeting with their tech coaches, as uh-huh. I often do in my in my role here at Grant Wood, and one of the tech coaches got up in, at one part in the meeting, and he was talking about all the awesome things we do at, at Grant Wood. He talked about our blog and Jason and Amber's uh, Think Make Innovate Maker Show, and uh-huh. he talked about our podcast and talked about all the great ideas that we have on the podcast. And I was thinking, oh, that's oh nice. this is going really well. And he, then he said, yeah. "But well, I did fall asleep during the last one." Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. So I don't know if I want to mention the name of this teacher or who this was, but I thought I'd at least put the story at the beginning of the podcast because if I left this until the end, then who knows if he would have been awake or not. So you know oh, who you shoot. are. We need to live. Yeah, right. We need to liven this up a little bit, apparently. I guess so. Yeah. I think maybe yeah. it just listens to it last thing at night or something while getting ready for bed. And uh, hey, yeah, that works. All right. Well, we'll we'll try and do better. We'll try our best. Yeah. yeah. So, All right. So, follow up. Let's do the follow up. Yeah. Okay. Um, first thing I've got on this list is kind of exciting, and that is the yeah. new Google Sites. Yeah. Oh my goodness! How long have we been saying I wish Google would uh, redo Google Sites or buy Weebly right. or something? <laughs> and finally, they they have done it. Yeah, and we've had um, I, we talked about this last time, right? That we've had new Google sites for a little while, but I have started seeing some tweets and things that it's starting to roll out into other places. Yeah, so it officially became available for schools that were on the rapid release schedule on November 9th. and if you're just on the standard release schedule, then you will get it November twenty first. So either way, it is coming, and uh, everybody will be able to check it out. I did do a blog post on uh, I saw that on our on our Grantwood digital learning website with just an overview of some of the mm-hmm. new changes and the things that you can expect on there. So definitely take a look at that. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm excited. Do you like the new Google Sites, Mindy? Yeah, you know, it's much more user friendly. Um, yeah, it's just it's much and it just looks updated. I mean, I felt like Google site, Sites always looked kind of just old and clunky. Yeah, for and I sure. I just feel like it just looks much more modernized now. It's got a sleeker look, which is nice. 
Yeah, no longer do you have to like dive into manage site and dig through like oh. three or four levels just to find out how to change the color of this or manage this menu site. item or yeah. Right. Just so much better. Yeah, so let me back you up a second. How do you get signed up for the rapid release? If schools are looking to do that, how do you do you just sign up for it or are you just like a lucky one or how does that work? So that's a setting in your Google domain dashboard. Oh. And uh-huh. uh, it's just like a toggle switch. You can either be on rapid release and get all the new features as soon as they're released, or you can stay on the scheduled release, which gives you a little bit of a safety net in some ways because sometimes sure. when things come out they're like not a hundred percent complete right. or done or right. there. So yeah. Whether you want to live on the edge or just uh, stay safe. All right. So I have a little bit of a follow-up because last time we were talking about YouTube in the um, classroom and whether or not to use YouTube. And I had kind of mentioned about how I didn't like the little tic-tac-toe board after the um, you've completed your viewing of your video that you were watching. Yes. And it gives you all these suggested videos yes. after that. And I hate that because you just never know what's going to pop up. You never know. No. No. Right. So um, after we talked about that, uh, I saw a tweet from Tony Vincent that talked about embedding your video. And when you embed a video, then you can turn off that little tic-tac-toe board. And so if you want to do that, it's underneath. And I think it's like sharing and embedding. And then I think there's something else. But if you click on embed and then there's like a little gray show more um, button, if you click that, then you can turn off and on some options with that video. And one of them is that tic-tac-toe board of suggested videos. Yeah, I saw that tweet you you shared with me. It's really very simple, but a really awesome thing to do. I think it's just like a checkbox or something. You either check or yeah, you uncheck. Is, yep. And it changes the yep. HTML embed code so that you don't get those related videos at the end. Right. But you've already, like, you already talked about this didn't you in a previous episode i just didn't remember there are some similar um <laughs> options that exist for that but it's nice to have that native youtube option yeah yeah all right um anything else i have one more piece of follow-up and i think it's really okay. in relation to we've talked about video conferencing a little bit before yeah. and i think we talked about how with uh, skype and with uh, some other things like zoom that people don't need an account to join uh, your mm-hmm. your call, but the person who right. sets up the call needs to have an account. Has to have the account. Well, now um, I saw this this morning while I was having my breakfast, and um, Skype have changed it where you don't even need an account to start set up the call. You can no, start a, really. You can start a Skype call as a guest user. You don't need to have a Skype account if you use huh. the Skype web client, and you mm-hmm. can have voice or video calling group and instant messaging screen and file sharing for up to 300 people oh my gosh i know and so you just sign in as a guest and you say who your name is it says what's your name and you type your name in and then it gives you a link to your skype thing and you just email that or instant message it or send it to whoever you want and Hmm. um you you can have everybody join the skype call without a user account Interesting. I'm going to give this a try tomorrow. I'm uh, doing a mystery Skype with uh, the Digital Learning Institute with a class in our, with, well, actually, All Saints, um, one of their first and second grade classrooms. Yeah. We're going to mystery Skype with them tomorrow. I'm going to maybe try. I was just going to use Zoom just because I'm really familiar with Zoom. and But maybe I'll give this a try and see how it works. Yeah. You have to use the Skype.com web client. It doesn't work on... Got it. If you use the desktop clients, it's going to force you to sign in or log in with sure. something. But okay. uh, the web client is uh, open and free. You can sign in as a guest. So uh, All right. I like I'm that. I'm going to give it a try. 
Yeah, it's good, a good one. one. All right, so on to our hot topic. And right around the corner, first, well, not really the, I guess it's, is it the first week of December? It's December 5th through the, what, through the 12th? Yes, 5th through the 12th. Our, yeah, is Hour of Code. And so um, Jonathan and I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about Hour of Code and what our different opinions are about it. Yeah, so Hour of Code. Um, <laughs> I guess my opinion in a nutshell here is, um, you know, somebody, pe- people ask me now and again, you know, should we do Hour of Code? And I say, yeah, it's a great thing because uh, it really exposes kids to all kinds of different um, things they may not normally come across in the classroom. Um, but, you know, I think for teachers, there's always that, that struggle of, you know, where do I fit coding in where do I put coding into my curriculum Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know if there's always an easy answer to that you have I mean you can definitely make ties with math and some science and some other things as well but sometimes it's just as taught as a standalone thing and we're trying to get away from technology being a a standalone thing so I think that's kind of tough in some ways do you have opinions on when we should code or where we should code or you know um we did coding when I was in the classroom, and um, I always just had a part of my week that was devoted to coding, and I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. I don't really even know what the right thing is to do, um, but we always took time on Friday afternoons, and the kids would just get together, and um, sometimes I would give them challenges, like today I'd like to see you try and do this. And sometimes I just let them explore and see what they could come up with. Um, And I really, interestingly enough, thought coding kind of built this little community in my classroom because the kids did so much collaboration. And I saw them asking each other for help. And uh, so I don't know. It worked for me to do it that way. Um, And you know, throughout the week, we would find different times here and there. Um, if we had 10 minutes, I'd say, okay, well, let's do a little bit of coding. It was kind of like my, not a fast finisher thing, because I don't think it's fair just to let your fast finishers do coding. I think it's important that all students do that. Um, but if you've got 10 minutes before you've got to, you know, go to gym or go to art and you miraculously finish something before you needed to, um, I don't know, I guess, but you know, I had elementary students and that worked really well for us. Um, but I, I think hour of code is great to get you started, but you got to keep doing it. It can't just be a one and done thing. It's something if it, if it is your kickoff to get started during the school year, or, you know, if it's more like an extravaganza where you're celebrating that you're doing it, I think you still have to make the effort to try and make it something that's being done somewhere throughout the entire school year. Yeah, and I think that's their their aim or their hope or their their goal with this this week. It's kind of an awareness week. They very much want people to you know try it, enjoy it, and think, yeah, we have to do more of this because it is one of those career skills now that that we are short of as as a country, and uh, there are jobs going unfilled, from my understanding, because there are not enough skilled workers in order to do this coding type of thing right. um, but yeah like you said I mean if, if you do it for the hour of code and that's it and you don't do anything else until the next December um, 
maybe you should do it because yeah. you know you're not really going to accomplish much more other than maybe spark some curiosity with kids who might want to go and try right. something by themselves at home but if they don't have any other exposure at school then you know I, it doesn't seem like a worthwhile thing to do yeah and i think coding just um strengthens so many life skills i mean seeing kids get frustrated because you know they thought they had coded something and then saw um you know ran the code and it didn't work and seeing their frustration but their ability to then go back and recheck and follow through and um alter what they had done i mean those are some huge life skills that um coding really supports so even if you're thinking i don't know why i would even do coding think about it in that aspect that it really does encourage kids to be problem solvers yeah absolutely and you know you think about some of the I don't know, assignments and things you get your kids to do in class. They do the assignment, they hand it in, you grade it, hand it back to them. And a lot of the times that's it. They, you don't go back through the assignment and problem solve and say, okay, where did I go wrong here? Why is this not right? And it's like, okay, move on to the next assignment. You know, I've graded you on what I think you can do and this is what you showed me you can do. And, you know, I, I'm not saying it's always like that, but, we, you know, there needs to be more time for kids to like self-analyze and look at what they've created and why it's not working or why it is working and and move on that way yeah so we like the hour of code but we like it as part of a larger initiative exactly agreed let's do it okay All right, so on to the main course served to you, Piping Hot, our parent and teacher communication apps. This is a good one. I like this one. It is a good one. There's so many options out there. Yeah, and this came about because uh, Mindy saw this awesome spreadsheet on Twitter, I think, that was a parent communication app comparison. Is, is that right? Yes, right. So um, this comes from Jessica Meacham. If you, I will uh, link her website to the show notes. Um, she's got an amazing website with all kinds of like free resources um, of stuff that she's created. So, um, but I, since I hadn't been in the classroom for a while, I hadn't come across her stuff. And then, yeah, I saw a tweet. I thought, oh, there's a name I haven't seen for a while. Um, so yeah, I was really excited to take a look at this and share it. Yeah, it gave us a good idea. I mean, a lot of these tools we are familiar with. Um, and we will, yeah, we'll definitely share that spreadsheet with you. So a lot of the tools yeah, we're familiar sure. with, some of them we are less familiar with and haven't spent a lot of time diving into, but it's always good to, to have options. So I think we'll maybe look at uh, maybe three or four of these that we right. are more familiar with and can talk about. And uh, we'll put this spreadsheet out there for you guys to see how they compare with the others. And if you want to explore those other ones, definitely take a look because there's a lot of great tools on here and we very much appreciate the work that jessica did to put that together yeah because it's it's got a lot of stuff um so to kind of begin i everyone is going to be super shocked but i'm actually not going to talk about seesaw today what well i just feel like we've talked about seesaw a lot and there's a lot of stuff out there about seesaw so i thought it might be good for me just to lay off seesaw doesn't mean that i don't think it's an amazing parent teacher communication um platform but uh we're gonna leave it out of the conversation for today give me a minute to pick my jaw up off the table here <laughs> yeah, right. so um the first one on our list is class dojo and um 
I think Class Dojo has evolved into something very different than what it was when it first, or at least when I first learned about Class Dojo. Agreed. Um, yeah. So when Class Dojo first came out, it was more just about behavior management. Um, and uh, every student kind of has their own little avatar, and then you can like give points for good behavior and um, take points away if you want to do that. Um, but it's now evolved into something else that allows students kind of like Seesaw to input um, different artifacts and um, show their learning uh, through photos and videos and things like that. Do you know what I remember about Class Dojo? What's that? And you, you'll probably remember this too. When Back when it first came out and you start yeah. up, you get this sample student class that had celebrities in it like Brad yeah, Pitt Brad and Angelina Pitt. Jolie and Robert yeah. Downey Jr. and all these people and it kind of felt fun to like think about oh if they were my class you know who would the naughty ones be and who would the nice ones be I think <laughs> yeah, I right. know who but uh, <laughs> I don't know if they still do that but those celebrity classes. I think classes. they do because that's my demo class I just took those names and pasted them into my demo class. Really? So oh, I think they fun. do yeah yeah um, so yeah so now students have the opportunity to kind of share their learning um through student stories, but teachers can also have class stories where they might send messages to parents or um, put their newsletter in um, reminders of holiday parties, you know, parent-teacher conference night, things like that. Um, and it's also, which is a little bit different than Seesaw, is that it has two-way messaging in it. So parents can communicate with you through the Class Dojo app. Yeah, and I think that's... I mean, this seems like a natural extension of the original model that they brought out because there was always that parent side of things where the parent could log in and check the behavior right. of their student. So, you know, there was a bit of a connection between teacher and parent at home. So right. throwing that out more with the, the class stories and the student stories is uh, is really good. And I think that's a great option to have. Definitely the, the messaging thing too. I mean, it, it takes a little bit from different apps and uh, merges them together into to one platform, which is good. In some quarters, it's a little controversial with some people not everybody is a is a big fan of class dojo because of things like um the the ability to ding students on negative behaviors right. and that doesn't really always fit in with like pbs and other types of initiatives where pbis you mean pbis yes <laughs> pbs is the tv station pbs is it? still up in the air they're not sure what to yeah do. so yeah. pbis um where you're really looking to reinforce positive behaviors yeah. and students um, but I guess you don't have to use the the red button right. you don't have to right. um, you know ding students on on those types of things just right. record the positive things and, and go from there maybe class dojo can be one of our hot topics one day you know it might not be a bad idea <laughs> it might not be a bad idea <laughs> yeah all right so um, moving on to the next one are you ready yeah let's do the next one the next one is an app called remind which mm -hmm. used to be called Remind 101 back in the day. Right, right. Um, I, had, I feel like saying, I'm old enough to remember when this app used to be called. Oh, <laughs> but for I, no love. It wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but uh, they rebranded as, as Remind, which is really an interesting... Uh, they started off as a, like a text messaging type of service where right. you could text students and or parents. But the neat thing 
about this is that they don't see your cell phone number and you don't see their cell phone number so you're protected and have that privacy part on there too right so um but one of the things because i am using um or i'm trying to get remind started at my children's school because um i am part of the parent teacher i don't know what you call it association of sorts Anyway, so we wanted to use it to kind of send out reminders to parents about upcoming school events and stuff. And one of the things that I saw, which I um, I don't know if this is new or not, but you can then allow for parents to text back and forth so they can go in and search for you and send you a message. Not you, like not you as the teacher, but each other. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but you can turn it off and on. So I turned, I don't remember if I turned it off or on. I think I turned it off. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be in charge of who's texting who or whatever. But yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I think it probably still keeps your phone number private, Mm -hmm. but it allows you to communicate with other parents. And then within there too, you can make smaller groups or, um, you know, you can divide kids out then by grade levels or homeroom teachers and um, do it that way too, which is nice. Yeah, so this is another kind of service that has expanded and you know i think it's always great to see these you know ed tech companies that are continuing to grow and expanding and not just dying and disappearing and right you know slinking off into the night somewhere but they're expanding their their options and features and they're they do something now with uh, creating events is that something right. you're familiar with too yeah, so I don't know how familiar you would say I am with it, but um, yeah, you can create an event and then let's say you're having a fundraiser or a field trip or something like that, and um, you might have to pay admission or maybe you're making a donation. You can do all of that within Remind. So you would take your school, um, you might have a special account just for those kinds of things or whatever, but then people can donate or pay all through Remind instead of having to send a check in or is that, that right? makes me crazy when I have to. The only time I write a check is to my kid's school, right? Yeah, I know. It's the only time I write a check. So um, it would be nice to kind of get rid of that option. I don't really know what the, I mean, the back end of that is for schools and how that works, but it's nice to have the option um, to do that. But I think it might be a paid option too. I'm not sure that that comes with a free account. Okay. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of this app that you can do for free. Um, that yes, might be one right. of the, like the the school wide, district wide um, things, right? Um, but speaking right. of which, I mean, I I know I know some schools, or I've definitely seen of some schools that they use Remind as their um like their winter alert system for their school wide system. I mean, here in Iowa, we are, you know, you you wouldn't think it. Our Novembers have been pretty uh, warm recently, but uh, we yeah, are right. we are heading towards the winter weather and uh, school cancellations or late starts and early outs, all that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, there's schools that are using Remind to get a free, you know, school-wide alert system yeah, that yeah. parents can it's sign nice. up for. And that's nice. That's one less thing you would have to pay for if you wanted to. So um, yeah. people use it and they use it really successfully. Yeah. And the thing I like about it, too, is... Um, I find myself trying to move as far away from email as possible. Maybe it's because I get so much email. Um, but it's nice just to get a quick notification instead of like having to con- – because like with your email, I have to go in and actually check my email. A notification that comes across my phone, I can see it and set it back down and keep going about my day. Um, and that's why I think it's really nice about these notifications or text message kind of ideas. Is It just – I don't know. I, I just think it's a faster way to reach people. They're more likely to see what you want them to see. 
Yeah, um, but that said, if you know, as a parent, you do sign up to receive these messages, I think you can choose to have email as well, or instead, if you want to. If you, right, and you can you can download the app yourself too, and just get like in-app notifications too, or something like that. I think. Yeah, because I, I think there's still people on old cell phone plans and things that will charge you to receive text messages and stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you prefer email or other types of notifications there are, or just have them in the app, like you said, then that's definitely a good option. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just all up to the user. However you want to be notified, it's up to you. So, yeah. So, um, when I was on Twitter recently, um, I say recently, I'm on there every day, but uh, when I was on recently, I saw Kyle Pace was using uh, Remind with the teachers at his school. And he kind of had this thing where um, he would send out like a Google Apps for Education, hang on, a G Suite for Education tip each day. And he would send them to the teachers. So the teachers would like sign up for his Remind class, but it's not really Uh a class. It's just like his staff and um, they would sign up and they would get little tips by text message that Kyle would send out. And um, mm. the nice thing about Remind and the way that works is you can schedule your messages to go ahead of time. Right. So it's right. not like Kyle sits down necessarily every day and uh, thinks, what will my tip for today be? He can sit mm-hmm. down and like write them all at once and just schedule them to go out once a day for the next fortnight or whatever. And right. uh, they, Did you say fortnight? I did say fortnight. You did. Is that a problem? How many nights is that? How many nights is a fortnight? That would be 14 days. Oh, huh. We should think about doing something this for the digital learning team. Yeah, we should. Yeah. We could do something like that. That'd be super fun. Like, like an app of the week. We or... don't have to do it every day. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to over notify people. But like once a week, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Hmm. We should think about that. Um, That's a great idea. Innovative use of Remind. I think, nice job, Kyle Pace. I think our friend Scott McLeod does something similar for... Um, a leadership and administrator group he has uh, on digital learning. And um, he he tweets that out occasionally, like sign up for um, updates and alerts on uh, digital learning for administrators. And he uh, sends out messages through Remind on that one too. Hmm. So Interesting. using Remind right. for PD and things like yeah, that. Yeah, who knew? PD on the go. Yeah, I like it. So um, the next one... I um, happened to look at way at the beginning of the school year last year and kind of forgot about it. And it's called Fresh Grade. Um, Because my original thought was that um, I was going to compare Fresh Grade and Seesaw, the two of them, and kind of put them side by side, which I did in my head. I was going to write a blog post, but I didn't. And at the time, you and I had this conversation and I told you that I liked Fresh Grade better. Do you remember that? Uh, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I said, I feel like I really like Fresh Grade. And then Seesaw came out with their classroom blog, and that was it, it was all over for me. Then I love Seesaw. I think that's huge. But um, Fresh Grade, now that I went back and looked at it, is pretty amazing. And, and I definitely would suggest that you kind of dig into it a little bit and see um, what you think about it, listeners. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you think about if you think about CISO and fresh grade and you're yeah. you're weighing up pros and cons now do you do you think one has a, an advantage over the other cuz they're they're very similar types of services and some of the things that they do for e-portfolios and collecting and sharing student work with parents and all that kind of good stuff is you know do, does one stick out ahead of the other in any particular department or not um, like I said, the classroom blog thing is pretty huge. I think that Seesaw has. Um, and I think Seesaw also has some better, like, 
um, journaling options that you can take some of their um, already ingrained tools and kind of smash them together to make this different kind of product. Where with FreshGrade, you can do audio, video, picture, um, ad captions or notes, things like that. But it doesn't really allow you to kind of smash those things together to actually create um, maybe a next level kind of artifact. Um, but you can add links and things like that. And I mean, most apps, um, if you're, well, and that's another thing is that it's, we thought after we looked at it again, that it was only on tablet or mobile devices, right? Yeah. But as a teacher, you can add stuff through the website, but for students, it's merely an app where Seesaw is all platforms. And you know what's kind of interesting or what I think is kind of interesting that FreshGrade has three apps. They have a teacher app, a student app, and a parent app. And right. Seesaw just has the one app. And I presume when you log it in for the two. first... It has two. It has two. Backup, it has two. Okay. Backup, it has two. Don't one. you start telling people about Seesaw. Okay. I'm not going to... Sir. <laughs> so it has a student and parent app and it has a teacher <laughs> yes. app. Is that right? Okay. Right. So the student and teacher, is it's actually a classroom app and then a parent app. All right. So the classroom app, students and teachers. I'm going to hold my tongue. Okay. I'm not a CISO mm-hmm. ambassador. I just make no, stuff I up don't. as I go I know along. you're not. We all know you're not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, um, it is kind of t- three different apps is, is a lot. But um, yeah, so the other things about FreshGrade that, you know, when we were looking at it, we thought was really neat is that you can create a learning slideshow. So um, you can take your artifacts from inside your student portfolio and you can choose 10 different artifacts and then it creates this little slideshow for you um, with the captions and things like that with music and it's they just make it for you which is it was kind of a neat little feature i thought yeah isn't that a nice little review like at the end of a quarter or a semester mm-hmm. or something like that you could you know just throw together a quick slideshow and go oh yeah i remember we did this in in class and and so forth yeah. That'd be a good way to go back and reflect and and look at your right. learning again yeah um, another thing that I think FreshGrade has that Seesaw doesn't is um, it kind of has a little bit more of a grading element to it. Um, Seesaw has added their skills section, which is um, paid. I mean, you don't get that in the free account with FreshGrade, you do. Um, but it has like these different ways of grading too. So a lot of times grading sometimes gets this negative connotation, but your grading can just be an anecdotal note. Um, and then you can assign and create activities within FreshGrade and tag different students. Um, and then that assignment or that activity is sent to um, that specific student, which is definitely, I, I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a way you can kind of like personalize some of the learning paths for students. So, I mean, that is an appealing option. Um, and the grade book is really pretty visual as well. You can get all these yeah. like graphs and charts on, on students too. So yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I would say that if you do, you know, kind of take a look at it, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how I did this and how I did it, but I had activated one student and not activated any of my other demo students. So I couldn't actually log that student into the app until you have to go into each student's profile and check that you have parental permission that those their student is able to use the program. So it will not give you an access code for that specific student because each student has their own access code, which that access code is ridiculous. I will say that because it's like eight characters and they're all mumbo jumble. Alphanumeric, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if you... Um, 
are interested and you're like, how do I get these kids signed in? You do have to go into each profile then and check that you've got parental parental permission for your student to use that. All right. So I think, you know, those are our big ones, that, the ones that we've come across the most and the ones that we've used a lot or seen used a lot. Um, we said we weren't going to talk about Seesaw, Mindy, but I feel like we talked a lot about Seesaw. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, we are contractually obliged, aren't we? <laughs> Yes, we are. Yep. <laughs> I should stop saying that in case people think we are contractually. I know. Advised. I'm really not paid by Seesaw. No, I'm really not. We are really not. I get paid in t-shirts. Yeah. Um, but there are other tools out there. Um, like we said, there was, when we saw this spreadsheet, you know, we saw, oh, there's Remind. There's Class Dojo. There's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we knew these tools, but there was others on here that we hadn't really come across as much. Um, so one of those is um, Bloom's. And that's yeah. Bloom with a Z. Yep. Um, I know our, a friend of the show, uh, Marissa Dahl in uh, Heartland AEA over near Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I know she has used um, Blooms a lot and has a lot of teachers that use it. So uh, we could put our Twitter handle on, uh, in the show notes and you guys could go ask uh, Marissa all your questions about Blooms. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying she's a Blooms ambassador or anything, but I know she really likes the service and uh, has done a lot of good things with it. So that would be one of the additional ones. I guess it's similar to, I don't know, which one would it be similar to? Similar to Fresh Grade and Seesaw? Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. I think um, I, this is what I think about Blooms, so though. I can't remember. I have a Blooms account because it does the same thing like Remind where you can send notifications out to groups, I think. But I felt like with Blooms that it was mostly teacher-driven and that students didn't necessarily have accounts. But I could totally be wrong. I'm not sure. It's been a while since I played with it. So I don't know if it says that in the form or not. Student avatars. Yes. Student. Nope. It looks like they've got a QR login too. So students should be able to log in. Uh, So other things on this uh, spreadsheet from Jessica is uh, tools that we are less familiar with. But um, Class Messenger looks like a messaging type app uh living tree and simply circle i've not heard of any of those have you Mindy? no those are new nope those are new to me uh she also has class tag under on here and i don't know that one either those are the three i've never heard of before and you know there, there's two interesting ones at the end of the spreadsheet which uh yeah. is kind of a watch this space type of deal here yeah uh, it says they're reviewed the review is under construction so it looks like jessica's yeah. still checking those ones out and uh, yeah i don't know and those were new to me too, Apple Tree and Class One Two Three. I don't know those either. So, so many options out there. I think that shows the importance of really letting your parents see and feel what you're doing in your classroom. Yeah, those four walls can be really containing, and I, I, f- I feel like as as teachers and and as ministry as a ad- and as I can't say and as administrators. <laughs> I think you should leave that in. I feel like as teachers and administrators, we should be doing more to show the great things that go on in our classroom because it's right. it's one of these deals where, you know, people don't really know what's going on and the kids right. come home at the end of the day and they don't really say a whole lot about what happened that day. But then there'll be yeah. that one incident, that one incident a year where something bad goes wrong and it's suddenly, oh, that's typical of that school. And it's like, no, yes, it's, right. it's not typical of that school. If you knew right. all the awesome things that were happening every single day, those right. things that come up would just be like, 
oh okay well that's a shame um because that school does so many awesome things uh, yeah. it's like uh social capital or something like that you got to build this up ahead of time so that you've got all this good stuff stored up and when the bad things happen um you know the good vastly outweighs the the negative right and yeah who says somebody says like if you don't tell your story someone else will who says that someone does so i'm not gonna take a claim for that but it's so true it's absolutely true. If you don't tell it, if you don't tell all the great things that are happening, no one will. Yeah. So toot your own horn. Absolutely. And, you know, things like social media, great way to tell your story. Not everybody's comfortable with the privacy or how public some of these things are. So if you use services like the ones we talked about here, you really yeah. have more control over, you know, absolutely. who sees it, how they see it, mm-hmm. when they see it and so forth. So, Yep. Eliminate your students coming home and saying nothing happened today. Because <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, oh, but wait a minute, I can see. I can see. What, let's, talk, let's talk about this. That's one thing that I know my parents always I'm so happy that I have these talking points with my student when they come home at the end of the day. They don't get to tell me I did nothing. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, perfect advertisement. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if... It could cut down on the paperwork that comes home from school as well. You never know. Yes. You might see. Uh, you might have to keep less papers um, or oh. be less vigilant about. You know, save the trees. <laughs> you know, save when the when, they, when your kids come home with that stack of papers and you're you have, oh. you have to wait until they're not looking before they end up in recycling or somewhere like that. And you know, you you keep some of them, but you, there's no way you could keep all of the papers that no. your kids. Bring I don't home keep any of it. Day. I don't keep any. You of don't it. keep any of it. No, I just look and say, is there anything in here you want to keep? And most of the time, nope. Well, if they don't care about it, why should I? Right? Yeah. I keep the artwork. I keep artwork. I don't keep worksheets. But when you have the, that digital artifact in a portfolio yes. or something, then yep. yeah, you yep. can go back and look at that stuff anytime you want. Yep. So you've yeah, got like a digital I have record. Tate's of it. whole seesaw journal all downloaded and then, well, I had to re upload it then into my Google Drive. I can go and look at it anytime I want. It's all pictures. It's all pictures. I love it. All right, now on to my favorite part of the show. It's Tick Nuggets. I feel like I put a little extra spice on those today. Extra spice on the nuggets? <laughs> yeah. Tick, tick, tick nuggets. I went to Wendy's recently and I, I asked for some nuggets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they said, Okay. And? I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm on the edge of my seat. And? Well, they asked if I wanted regular nuggets or the spicy nuggets. Oh. And? I chose the regular ones. You got the regular ones? I did. You're such a wimp. Hmm, I thought you liked spicy food. I do like some spicy food, but I guess that day I was just more inclined to take the regular. I see. Have you had the spicy chicken sandwich at Wendy's? I have not, no. Oh, it's delightful. All right. There's lunch taken care of today. Yeah. Are we getting back to Tech Nuggets or? Yeah, let's start again. <laughs> okay. No, let's not start again. That was fun. Okay. All right. Your start. Um, okay, so I will start with the first spicy tech nugget of the day. And <laughs> this is one I saw from uh, Larry Ferlazzo's blog. And if you have mm-hmm. never read Larry Ferlazzo's blog, I will have to put a link to it in the show notes for you because it is a really very awesome um, blog if you are interested in technology tools. He, I believe, works with students who um, have English as a second language. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the tools he finds are relevant to, to all students, and he has a lot of these best-off lists and things like that. Anyway, enough plugging. Um, 
The website is called EdSite, E-D-C-I-T-E, EdSite. And it is a free platform that allows you to create customized assignments for students. And kind of an interesting thing on, on this is you can either create your own assignments or you can go into the library of assignments they already have there that are sorted by grade level and curriculum area and so forth. They have like 16,000 assignments in the library. Holy shnikes! I know. So if you can't find an assignment that might be relevant for your students, then I don't know, maybe you're not looking hard enough. Um, <laughs> but one well, of there it is. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Um, so... Another thing that I, I liked about this site is that um, here in Iowa, we have uh, Smarter Balanced Assessments coming soon as right. our statewide um, assessment for um, students. And this website lets you create quizzes and assignments for students in the style of Smarter Balanced Assessment Questions or PARC. I believe it's PARC, P-A-A-R-C assignments mm -hmm. so that you can kind of give students um, almost like some practice for what these computer-based assignments are yeah. um, by taking that assignment on EdSight. So, you know, yeah. it, it's not as, as jazzy and interactive as Kahoot or Socrative right. maybe and things like that, but for giving kids practice at um, standardized tests, yeah. you know, we don't... I have great opinions on standardized tests, but right. they are what they are and we have to do them. Um, right. This at least exposes them to some of the formatting that they have. So right. like you can create drag and drop things or sort and mm -hmm. order things or put things into columns. You know, those types of questions that they may not always have exposure to on your current right. um, curriculum. Yeah, that's a good idea because with Smarter Balance, I mean, you definitely don't want the tech to get in the way of, you know, your students showing what they know and you know, engaging with questions that have drag and drop and things like that, they might not be used to that. Or they might be doing it on the computer when they're used to using an iPad or something like that. So yeah, it's as much as we hate kind of teaching to the test, at least it kind of gives them an idea and gives them an awareness of what they might be looking at later. Yeah. So that's, check a good it out. Find. It's edsite.com. Good one. All right, so um, my tech nugget, uh, I don't know if it's really a tech nugget. I think, well, I think it is. I've um, been reading this book called Amplify, Digital Teaching and Learning in the K-6 Classroom. And it's by, I hope I don't um, missay their name, but Katie Mutaris and Kristen Z Zimke. Um, and I just thought this was the best book because it really gives real life examples and kind of step by steps about how to really integrate technology into your classroom and to do it well. Um, and it talks a lot about like letting kids explore for a little bit and then giving kids a task and then discussing about where they could use this technology and how it would be beneficial to them. Um, and I think those are really important things that sometimes as educators we miss um, because we're in a hurry to get other things done. I know. I was guilty of it too. Um, but I, I just think it's a really great read. It kind of brings you back to your roots a little bit, back to the basics. And I would strongly suggest that um, you pick it up and take a look at it. It was recommended to me by Beth Swantz, who is also on our digital learning team. Um, she has a school that is reading it as a book study. And I think it's a great idea. It's a great book. 
I'm definitely going to check that one out because uh, two great recommendations from two people that I trust and admire. So I will um, look into that one. I'm I'm just thinking now off the top of my head that these might be awesome guests to have on the podcast at some point. Oh, yeah. They could come in and talk about the book and, and how they came up with the idea for that and the structures that they are putting into place for integrating technology. So um, I like that a lot. Is yeah. it for elementary or secondary or both? Or you know, it it's K um, six, I think. But I don't think that even like middle school teachers, I think they could get something out of it. It might be, I don't know. I th- I think everybody could probably learn a little bit from it, regardless of uh, what grade level you teach. The one thing that it really made me start thinking about is how we're teaching digital text reading. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's just a little spark in the mind. It's a good one. All right. Kristen and or Katie, if you are listening, we uh, are extending an official invite for you to Absolutely. come on and talk about it on the show. We'd love to learn more. Yeah. All right. So my uh, second tech nugget is um, also along the lines of assessment and digital assessments. And this is, okay. this is one I saw from uh, Richard Byrne. This one's called Treventi. Okay. Um, which was a new one to me, and it lets you create quizzes that are gamified along the lines of something like Kahoot. So if you're looking for a little bit more variety or something different to do because your kids are bored of Kahoot or they're bored of whichever um, formative assessment tool you have uh, done as flavor of the month, then uh, right. <laughs> Treventi could be uh, a nice option for that. It works on different devices it lets you um do a couple of things that are kind of interesting i think uh in terms of it doesn't have to be one-to-one you can have kids do this in in groups when you're creating the questions there's the ability to create a clue so that if you are you know want to put a clue for the kids or like i have no idea what and they read the clue and they're like oh wait i remember we did this this was something to do with and so forth. So the, and the clue doesn't appear automatically. It's like they're at the bottom of the screen and the kid taps clue and then it reveals the clue and then they can decide, you know, if they want to use that to help them answer the question. The gamified part is, you know, everybody gets a record of whether they did it right or wrong. I believe if you answer first, you get an extra point or something. Oh, so I like that. There is that point on there. <laughs> I, I thought you might like that, Mindy. There's a little competitive like streak in you. Um <laughs> But interesting idea. Um, I think they're fairly new. One of the other things I did like was after I signed up for an account, and you know you do that with these places, um, a lot of the times it's like click here to confirm your email address or whatever. They they sent out uh, a user guide, like a a two-page getting started guide on how to use Treventi with screenshots and uh, step-by-step instructions. And I thought, that's really oh, that's nice. different. Yeah, because you yeah. can go to the website, you can watch the video, you can read the blurb yeah. and think, okay, but it's like, how do I actually do that? As soon as you sign up, they send you the user guide. So nice. we can link to that user guide in the show notes if you guys want to see it and uh, sure. take a look at Treventi. That's a good one. Unless it's Triventi. Oh, it could be Triventi. Yeah. It sounds like wow. something you get at Starbucks. It does. <laughs> I'm sure it's nothing to do with It's a triple shot of venti. A triple shot of venti, yeah, okay. All right, so my last tech nugget is called SciShow Kids, 
And um, what's really neat about SciShow Kids is that it's YouTube videos for the younger scientists. And each um, YouTube video has um, like a question that you might want answered or you're wondering about, like, why do paper cuts hurt? Or um, what do insects do in the winter? And things like that. So it's kind of just like short, fun little videos um, that I think would maybe get kids engaged and would maybe answer some of those why, why, why questions that we often get either as parents or as educators. So um, I definitely suggest going to take a look at it. They're super fun and snappy, and I think your students would really enjoy them. This one is brand new to me, so... Oh, I I get extra points then. I have two young children at home. I think maybe this might be good for them too. Yeah, it's it's fine. You'll like it. Okay, well, that uh, brings us to the end of another exciting edition of the EdTech Takeout. I am going to end with a a review we got on iTunes recently. Oh, okay. I know you always like these, Mindy. I do. Yeah, this is from Miss CIN. M.A. from Massachusetts. Uh, She said, I love Mindy and Jonathan. They have the perfect, capital letters, balance of content and banter. Podcasts are very structured, well-prepared, but not over-scripted. They, for the most part, stay on topic and always remember to share who the intended (laughs) audience is. Yeah, you like that, the most part? Yeah. (laughs) Um, She says, I appreciate that she's not wasting her energy getting excited about an app that won't actually work for her because we give the context and who this would work best for. Mm -hmm. Um, She says, for the record, I'm pretty sure Jonathan's accent is Scottish. Oh, God, the accent. She's correct. Um, And she's been spreading the podcast and ideas all over campus. We are going to have a big Massachusetts following, apparently, Mindy. Oh, okay then. Hello, Massachusetts. Hello. Um, so thank you very much for that. Uh, we always appreciate feedback and uh, we do our best to respond to those as often as we can. If you did enjoy the show, please uh, subscribe in a podcast player of your choice and links on how to do that are on our website at dlgwaa.org forward slash podcast. There's a video on there. If you've never uh, subscribed to a podcast before, there's videos for Apple, for, for Macs, for PCs. For um, Share those with other people. I am on Twitter at Jonathan Wiley and Mindy is at Team Kearney. Our team account is at D-O-G-W-A-E-A. You can also email us podcast at gwaea.org. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.